I'm your host, David Nage. This is Baselayer, where institutional investors come to learn about crypto. The views, information, or opinions expressed during the Baselayer podcast series are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of ARCA, where David Nage is a principal. ARCA is not responsible and does not verify for accuracy of any of the information contained in the podcast series available for listening. The primary purpose of this podcast series is to educate and inform. The podcast series does not constitute financial advice or other professional advice or services. Please do your own research. Today's show is sponsored by Coinbase Prime, a leading prime brokerage for digital assets. While Coinbase is widely known for its retail business, Coinbase also provides the bridge to the digital asset world for institutional investors, high net worth individuals, financial institutions, and corporate investors. Through their professional trading platform, deep and diversified liquidity, execution expertise, and Coinbase custody, one of the largest and most trusted digital asset custodians, Coinbase Prime is a solution for institutions looking to enter the digital asset markets. For more information, visit prime.coinbase.com. This is David, and this is your new episode of Base Layer. It's great to be back. I have Stani, the CEO and founder at Ave. Stani, how are you? I'm pretty good, David, and thanks for uh, having me here. I'm excited. This is my first show back in over a month. I was down for the count for a little bit, but I'm back and coming back better than ever with Stani, who has effectively helped build one of the biggest DeFi companies and platforms there is right now. And I can't think of anyone better to have a show and starting back with than you. So thank you for coming on. For those that are not familiar, uh, Ave was on the show, I, I want to say almost a year and a half ago, um, before things ex- extraordinarily exploded. Ave is an open source and non-custodial pro- uh, protocol to earn interest on deposits and borrow assets with a variable or stable interest rate. We're going to talk a little bit about that. Again, there is a show from about a year, year and a half, where you can reference a lot of the kind of picks and shovels of Ave. But uh, if you could, Sonny, there's a lot of people. And again, we don't talk about the token. We don't talk about the price. We don't talk about any of that stuff on the show. But it is obviously something that we need to bring up that, you know, obviously Ave as a asset has extraordinarily exploded over the last six to 12 months. And because of that, you have a lot of non-crypto native people out there who are starting to pay attention. And so a lot of them always ask me, well, how do you explain Aave? And so what I would love for you to do, because you built it, (laughs) how would you explain Aave to someone who is just starting to kind of peek behind the curtain, who is just starting to say, okay, there is more than Bitcoin. There is a whole world out here, you know, built on Ethereum and other chains out there. How would you explain Ave to someone who's listening right now, an institutional investor or family office that is just starting to kind of get into this? How would you explain it to them? Right. Yeah. So I would, I would say Ave is Ave protocol is uh, is a uh, set of smart contracts uh, where where the uh, uh, end users can can deposit uh, different kinds of uh, cryptographic assets and and see those assets uh, grow in the protocol. And at the same time, when they're depositing those assets, uh, they they get so-called credit lines, so they can actually uh, borrow another asset uh, from the uh, uh, from the uh, protocol or delegate that uh, borrowing power to someone else, for example, who they trust or to a to a uh, uh, some sort of uh, entity. So what's what's interesting here is that uh, because of those, uh, the, the the protocol is is governed by. Uh, 
kind of like a set on, on top of smart contracts. So there's the Ethereum layer, which is uh, the, the blockchain network there, similar as, for example, something like Bitcoin, but Ethereum just uh, allows to uh, create code and deploy it into the blockchain. And smart contract is this uh, piece of uh, code. And, and the way the smart contract works that you can de deploy them into uh, into the blockchain and, and then they run autonomously there. So uh, there is a constant availability of the protocol. So you can deposit, withdraw assets uh, uh, all the time. And uh, beyond that, kind of like how the Aave protocol is built is, is that it's governed by the community, uh, the Aave token holders. So the Aave token holders are making votes on how the, the protocol can be changed in the future, updated, uh, uh, vote on new proposals that community developers, for example, have uh, submitted. And, and the, the idea here is that uh, there is no single kind of like an entity that, that can go and change any kind of like parameters such as like uh, interest rate curves or what asset could be added into the protocol. So it's all done by this uh, token-based uh, governance. And that's like the beauty when we, when we hear about uh, governance uh, tokens and, and decentralized protocols. Right. I want to touch on that a little bit more. And then we're going to talk about, you know, the the advent of flash loans. Again, that's kind of one of the things that really drew a lot of people into this, into what you were building there. And then we're going to talk about a few other different things. But governance is interesting because there are other projects out there in DeFi that also tout decentralized governance, that everything is being run on there. But when you look at their governance forums, it's basically dead. There's nothing going on. However, on Aave, uh, I believe you've had some recent improvements that have been passed through the, the system there. AIP7 is one of those improvements. How, again, I know you are removed from this, you're, there's no centralized figure there, but how do you gauge or how do you think your the decentralized governance that is happening on Aave is comparable to some other DeFi projects? And why do you think there is such a deficiency or lack of kind of movement on some of these other governance platforms? Yeah, it's very fascinating uh, question. I, I think like depending on like the the the, the protocol itself, what what kind of function uh, it solves, and and depending of course like the community, uh, that determines like how active the, the governance of a community of a uh, of a decentralized protocol is. So you might have a a, a uh, protocol that might not require that frequent uh, governance, or or let's say. Uh, software updates uh, in the sense of like smart contract updates. If if you know something new, new the community wants to add something new into the protocol, change parameters, and and that's that's pretty fine in in the sense that uh, it's just like th there is just not necessarily need for more governing. Uh, in the other protocol, the the governance is quite vibrant. I, I think like there's a quite substantial amount of discussions between the community members, and uh, you definitely like see that there's uh, differences uh, in kind of like an opinions and, and those like proposals are usually like when I when I see how they work is that they are getting crafted to a, a, a kind of like a compromise that suits the community well. So we don't see that many of like a uh, completely uh, like uh, health, health for health against uh, decisions that much in, in DeFi in general because like they're becoming more of a compromise before they they go as a the proposals are going into an on-chain uh, mm -hmm. in many of these governances, but I think in, in Aave it's it's uh, something where we are uh, kind of like always uh, messaged out uh, like within the community that the the participation is 
it's very important. And I, I think that's the, the result of, of uh, active community. Right. So let's talk about AIP7. I believe that's Avonomics that came out about a month and a half ago or so. Talk to us about that. What is that? What is the purpose there? Um, how are some of these improvements changing the, the, the dynamic of Aave? Yeah, the AIP uh, seven is is uh, quite interesting. So what what this AIP does is is that it uh, it it's kind of like a um, uh, fine tunes the the uh, rewards that that the Aave protocol have in this safety module. So so the Aave token holders they are made, making constantly risk based decisions. So they are either adding more risk into the protocol or decreasing the risk. For example, if you add a new 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 asset into the protocol, that is in, increased additional risk. Uh, and 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 if you uh, add, for example, buffer in in liquidations uh, to a particular asset, that is, uh, for example, might be decreasing uh, of risk. And because they're making these risk-based decisions, they can actually transfer the risk uh, to themselves. And this particular means, uh, in a way, they do it either actively or passively. So actively, they can stake into the um, Aave protocol's uh, safety module. And the safety module, as you stake, you earn uh, more Aave. And, and as you're in Aave, you are backstopping the, the protocol of some sort of like a, uh, a shortfall event, which could be um, uh, some sort of like a bug or failed liquidation. And the idea here is to kind of like uh, uh, provide as, as uh, technically uh, uh, safe protocol as possible and, and kind of like a backstopping by the community. And on top of that, I think what's uh, important is that you can also do it like this backstopping happens uh, passively in the sense that uh, if there is not enough funds in the safety module uh, to be slashed, so 30% of those funds could be slashed and, and uh, compensated to the protocol. There's also like this minting functionality, kind of similar that the MakerDAO protocol has, that 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 there's minted of and it's auctioned to cover the deficit. And this AAP7, what was interesting is that there was fine-tuning of the incentives, which was uh, increased. Mm-hmm. And then there's activation of the slashing that was uh, previously set to zero, now it's 30. So 30% of the safety module could be slashed in case of a shortfall event. Right. So other things that have happened over the last few months is also um, you launched V2. There was an upgrade there. Um, so we'd love to hear just a little bit about that. But one of the things I want to talk about, the the big one that was just released is the AMM. And so we'd love to hear why now, what's the purpose? So the AMM market is the first of many markets on Aave on Ethereum, and this is coming directly from your blog. And I think this is very interesting. I want to kind of poke into this one and potentially also on different networks, allowing the community to explore new frontiers with Aave. So Quickly, just talk about what V2 is, um, what what kind of upgrades happened there. And then I want to delve into this AMM launch. What is it? What's the purpose? And I really want you to kind of flush out the potentially new and different networks. What does that mean? Is there potentiality for using Solana, for for Near, for other L1s out there? Yeah, definitely. So in, in terms of the, the V2, so obviously the version 1 uh, was running from January uh 2020 and, and end of the uh, uh, 2020 last year, uh, practically the version two was was ready uh, of, of the protocol. So there was like a lot of uh, improvements uh, in terms of like the the uh, we made depth tokenization possible. So you so kind of like made a lot of like a uh, technical things uh, a bit better. 
and we added uh, ability to swap your collateral. So you could, so for example, if if, if you're depositing uh, USDC into the protocol and you see that DAI or USDT has a uh, higher yield, you could swap that position from uh, USDT to to DAI or whatever is the higher earning one. But also, if you borrowed against your collateral, you could you could swap that collateral. Let's say if you have some position is at uh, ETH or some other. Uh, currency, you can you can basically swap it to stable, more stable, partially to stable, or to another asset, and also you can repay your loan with the collateral. So that's this kind of like a uh, imp- improvements are very bene- beneficial and has helped help kind of like the user experience at Aave. And um, I would say like there's a lot of gas optimization as well. So one of the things that the gas costs are raising quite a lot uh, in in the uh, DeFi space uh, and, and in around this network, so so we optimize quite a lot of gas. But the idea of of deploying in other networks is that we we kind of like uh, I would say like the the community wants to support uh, other ecosystem, especially if there is something interesting going on there. And uh, I, I think already like one of the uh, ecosystem projects, Ave Gotchi, uh, that's that's kind of like a different project from Ave, but they kind of like a uh, complement with the name. They deployed the A tokens of the other protocol into Matic. And now the other community is looking, looking to deploy the other infra- infrastructure as well into the uh, Matic uh, uh, ecosystem. And we're kind of like a testing here, you know, uh, a bit of uh, scalability. And the AMM market is, is, is uh, very interesting. So you could use, if you're providing liquidity to Uniswap, Balancer, uh, and SwitchSwap as well, and, and, and Curve, you could actually uh, use those uh, LP, uh, LP tokens as a collateral in Aave to unlock some more liquidity. Let's stop there for a second. Um, a lot of people, again, don't understand what you just said in terms of providing liquidity. They understand, you know, they've provided you know, cash, you know, for lending purposes, again, using kind of old legacy fiat, USD, whatever local currencies there may be. So hard money lending has happened for years and years and years with institutional investors, especially family offices. What is providing liquidity? What does a liquidity provider look like comparable to something that might have been a hard cash type of settlement process? Yeah, it's 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 quite quite interesting. So, uh, pretty much uh, when you provide liquidity, you you choose two pairs. Let's say that you have in your portfolio uh, equal amount. That could be, for example, uh, Ethereum uh, wrapped Bitcoin. So wrapped Bitcoin is is practically Bitcoin uh, uh, representation on the Ethereum network, and you could supply those uh, this pair uh, in a scale of fifty fifty. So fifty percent will be of this portfolio. Uh, let's say in in uh, Bitcoin and fifty percent in ETH, and you can supply it to Uniswap. And and what happens is that you provide the liquidity, which means that now because uh, you put the liquidity there, uh, users could swap between wrapped uh, uh, Bitcoin between Ethereum uh, because of this liquidity uh, provision. And the liquidity providers are getting uh, fees for that uh, activity. And this is fairly interesting because normally how trading happens, uh, let's say, is that you have an order book and there's like buys and sells and, and that's how like normally, uh, you know, it's order book based trading. But uh, this so-called like a, a Uniswap models are constant uh, pricing. So you, you have this kind of like a curve and based on supply and demand that and, and, and the trading activity that curve changes. 
What's interesting about where where the Aave protocol comes into is that uh, because you you deposit into the let's say Uniswap and you get those uh, 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 tokens as a kind of like a representation of your liquidity provision into Uniswap, you can use that 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 token is the value of what you deposited and you can use that as a collateral in Aave to to borrow, for example, as uh, stable coins to use in some other purpose. And this is the kind of like shows like how layered DeFi is like innovation is built on top of innovation on top of innovation. Mm-hmm. So there's a few different questions here. It's going to be kind of bundled together, but it's conversational purposes. So one in looking at you mentioned you know gas. Uh, gas is onerous to lots of people out there that are getting into this world that are starting to use DeFi platforms. Looks like gas currently right now is about 187 guay. That's basically a number that we use in terms of computational uh, purposes. Um, and so this is roughly about a about a 35% change from yesterday alone. Um, but you know, if you look at it from a you know a three-year chart, you know, there's been several periods around July of 2020, especially around September um, 2020, where you saw a lot of that guay go quite high, um, you know, upwards of 500 guay. Um, gas is something that is really interesting. I've heard other projects that have, you mentioned something about it just a few minutes ago, about almost a subsidy. You know, if people are using your platform and they have to pay an onerous amount of gas to get things done uh, quickly, that the project is somehow coming up with a way to subsidize that or maybe take it on themselves. Talk to us a little bit about that because, you know, gas is something that a lot of people are not familiar with. But again, it's something that helps obviously speed up a transaction. If you want to kind of get off the highway that is congested with a lot of traffic, you can use kind of an HOV lane uh, and get that thing done faster. Talk to us about what you're thinking about in terms of gas. EIP-1559, obviously, is going to be happening now with the Ethereum ecosystem that has a relationship to gas. Just talk to us about what you're thinking there um, as relationship to new people coming in and trying to transact. Yeah, so I would say like definitely like gas is is something like it's, it's, it's basically transaction cost, right? So how the blockchain works is that you, you have a uh, one particular block, for example, that that you, you you basically uh win as a as a miner and then you can select various different kinds of uh, transactions that you include into that block and 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 then uh when you as a user you send your transaction so let's say uh, you deposit into the other protocol you're actually broadcasting this uh, transaction and then uh, uh it, it means that you when you are putting that transaction out you're selecting uh the gas price meaning that uh uh, since the network, there is other people there uh, using the network. It might be from time to time more congested, and that means that then uh, the average cost of uh, getting your transaction included into a particular block might be um, uh, pricier. So that is why where where the the kind of like a uh, uh, gas comes for the the end user. So so there is times when it it's, it fluctuates thirty uh, percent more. Uh, because of the fact that in, in that particular moment there might be some action uh, happening on the on 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 the Ethereum network that uh, there's a lot of participants. Uh, there was recently a, a kind of like a project called Crypto Porgies, so they're like a NFT collectibles that were uh, in this in the character of a pixelized uh, corgi. Uh, like this dog breed, yeah, I and, saw and, that. <laughs> and 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 practically training those corgis uh, 
you had like one hour to claim and if if you didn't claim it, it it will like kind of like disappear die on on chain if you claim it then you have it and a lot of people were actually claiming those so that increased the gas quite a lot uh that's just one example what what increases the transaction fees uh the the interesting part now with, with the um uh, fifteen fifty nine is that uh, you know the the transactioning will change a bit in the sense that you always will pay the same uh, base fee, but then you can practically tip the uh, the the uh, uh, validators uh, on on the transactions to to kind of like a get uh, get quicker your transaction confirm. And what this helps for the newcomers is that you know you don't need to uh, you don't you don't need to think about too much of. Uh, uh, what to set on the gas price because the current issue, probably 99% of everyone who onboards and asks me, uh, and, and uses uh, Ethereum is is that like what what will I set the the gas price and and the gas limit and and so forth. And now this is done a bit of more like user experience friendly way so that the uh, the the end users do not need to think about it. But if they want to get faster transaction, they just uh, put a tip into that transaction. Right. I'm not going to let you get away without answering a question that I asked, and I'm going to be a stickler on this. So in the AEM conversation, as it relates to the conversation we're having about gas and about things that are happening on Ethereum, Ethereum has obviously seen a lot of activity with DeFi, with NFTs, with gaming that are starting to come in now. In that blog, you make a mention, again, that you could potentially explore new frontiers and working with different networks. What does that mean? Yeah, so so the the idea is, I mean, if you look at the future of of various different blockchains and 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 how they will be structured, obviously, like all the transactioning that we have uh, globally in the world, it actually can't fit uh, into the same, uh, let's say, main Ethereum layer or any other layer, like especially like main Ethereum because of the security that is applied to validate those transactions, uh, and and the. Uh, kind of like solution here uh, for the future of Ethereum is that you 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 practically have uh, one layer and then you have this this uh, uh, roll up so you have this uh, additional uh, uh, kind of like a systems built on top of Ethereum which are periodically taking the transactions that happen in those networks and they're submitting uh, into the uh, main Ethereum uh, layer as as a bulk. And, and some of these uh, solutions are, uh, for example, optimistic rollups that we, we know, and, and it, it's, it's based on kind of like a uh, uh, optimistic fraud proofing that, you know, all transactions are assumed to be good unless someone disputes them. And then there's a dispute process. And then there's this uh, another technology called CK proofs, uh-huh. uh, CK snarks, for example, where right. uh, you're, you're using uh, this mathem- mathem- mathematics to roll those transactions into Ethereum. And then there's side chains like Matic, where it's kind of like a similar as, as Ethereum, like same EVM, but it's proof of stake at the moment. So we see like uh, the Aave protocol could be actually uh, in many of these layers uh, at the same time, because there's also communities growing in those uh, uh, ecosystems. Got it. So yeah, that makes sense because the L2 is what Stani is kind of alluding to is, you know, again, something that is meant there to be a facilitator uh, and really help kind of remove a lot of the congestion that happens on layer one on Ethereum and mainnet and kind of take that off there. So that makes a lot of sense. I get it now. Um, While we have a few more minutes, I want to talk to you about kind of thinking forward. So we have 
hundreds and thousands and now a few, I think about a few million people, you know, looking at Dune Analytics, there's, you know, uh, you know, a lot of people that are now using DeFi platforms, you know, total DeFi users over time is now over 1.5 million, almost 2 million, you know, users out there. What do you think gets us uh, to the next 10 million users in DeFi? And what part does Aave have in that? Yeah, I think we're onboarding now quite a lot of newcomers, like mainly creators in, in terms of like, uh, especially like the NFT space has been uh, helping in that sense quite a lot. So we, we see now a lot of uh, uh, artists coming into the space, uh, musicians and, and, and creating NFTs and representing their impression, sorry, expressions. And that is what, like one interesting like onboarding gateway because traditionally when you came into the uh, uh, cryptocurrency space, you know, you you pretty much exchange traditional currencies into cryptographic assets. And now, um, what's in- interesting is that many of the people they they actually sell their their creations and they get, for example, Ethereum or stable coins. And now they're onboarded into the economy. And the third step probably will be that when there's more and more people starting to work directly to the protocols, that there's more and more protocols. Uh, we actually have uh, opportunity that you know new uh, commerce can actually start working first to the protocol and then earning that way, and then they are part of this economy. So that's one of the things. And of course, like the scalability is a one thing, but I think like most of the people will interact with DeFi uh, through kind of like some sort of like a services. It might be a custodian, might be a fintech uh, entity that uh, uses a custodian that uses. DeFi and, and so forth. And then like there's like more batching of transactions and making things efficient. But the main main important thing is that everyone has always an access, direct access into the decentralized finance as, as a kind of like a right. And I think that is what, what counts the most. I agree. And so wrapping up in terms of uh roadmap for the rest of the year with Ave and going into 2022, you know, you obviously have some things that you want to get accomplished there. Anything that we should be looking out for in the next few months? I think like the the uh, probably there will be new different kinds of markets depending on what the community is is looking to uh, to achieve in in terms of like creating uh, uh, different markets. But I, I would say that the AMA market probably will expand. It's it's hard to say. Like there's like a lot of uh, improvement discussions going on, and and just like eager to see like how they will uh, progress in the future. Got it. And as always, where can people find out more about Ave and get in touch with your team? Yeah, I, I think the best way to participate is to look into the governance. Uh, so it's governance.ave.com, and there's a lot of discussions, and you can participate there uh, and and start from there. There's plenty of interesting discussions and and documentation as well. Outstanding. This is Stane, the CEO and founder at Ave, one of the largest and most uh, experienced and probably one of the more acknowledged projects in DeFi. Thank you, Stani, for coming on and, and showing us what's going on there. And we'll have you back on, hopefully, maybe not necessarily in a year and a half, maybe a bit less than that. Take care. Thank you so much, David. It was fun. Thanks for listening in to Baselayer. If you like the show and all the different guests that we've brought on, please give a like and subscribe on Apple or Spotify or wherever you do listen to the podcast. Also, if you want to have a conversation or reach out to me, you can reach me out on Twitter at David J. Nage. 
and let's talk there. Or also you can find me on LinkedIn and I look forward to having great conversations with you all about digital assets. This podcast is presented by Blockworks Group, one of the best digital asset event and media production companies that I know of. For exclusive content and events that provide insight into digital assets, visit them at blockworksgroup.io. You won't be disappointed.